Can't pull that five-star unit you've wanted? Well, we're here to pity break for you. Today on It's So Bad, we talk about Fire Emblem Heroes. I worked in some uh, some mobile game jargon there for you. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. First, first of maybe several several terms. Uh, you've got me playing a free to play uh, gotcha game, Chris. That's that's right. So, I mean, uh, hello, Mike. How are you? I guess I'll take your role completely. Yeah, that's what I wanted. This is <laughs> oh, this all is right. What I wanted. Well, yeah. <laughs> Mike, hello. Welcome to the pod. It's good good to see you. Hello, Chris. How are you doing? I'm um, good, and uh, what, what are we discussing uh, here tonight? I think we're playing Fire Emblem Heroes, the uh, uh, tactical role-playing game from Intelligent Systems. The yes. year was 2017, and surprisingly, I didn't realize this, but we're actually very close to it actually being five years. We, we are, actually, a lot closer than I thought. February <laughs> 2nd, uh, 2017. This is a, uh, a game that I have been pining to play or uh, do for this podcast for five years for literally the entertainment of myself. <laughs> but uh, this was the game that, uh, in the before times, in the pre-pandemic, that uh, really got me through a lot of long commutes in and out of uh, the major city that we live close to. Uh, as uh, we live in the burbs and we have to take buses and trains to get get to our downtown city jobs. I um I have not played a lot of mobile games. I think I there was like a time period in like 2010, 2011 where I played some. I played like Shining Force, the original Shining Force, on my phone and beat it. I played as in, like you you played ports like it sounds yeah. more so yeah okay. yeah I played a port of Shining Force but it was like the actual game it was just with touch controls um what else did i play i played a lot of nba jam when they had that resurgence <laughs> back then i fucking love that game i used to just try to get as many points as i could because i could easily just destroy everything but that was like before the time of like mo- of microtransactions you just bought yeah money. so i mean you know, I guess before we dive into this game, like, I'm actually a big proponent of uh, mobile gaming. Like, I actually think it is, like, a pretty, can be a pretty valid platform for um, quality games. You know, it can be also a platform uh, filled with shovelware and microtransactions mm-hmm. and and really exploitive games. But, you know, I think there's been, like, a lot of, like, really good, clever games, like, over the years. Like, I've, we've kind of met, mentioned, like, Device 6 and stuff like that, like, offline. It, it can be, when used, when its powers are used for good, I think it could be a good uh, medium for game, but, uh, for games, but sometimes I, think, I just... Yeah, there's even, like, even gotcha games can be good, uh, and this is definitely a gotcha game. It's just a, like, it depends, there's, like, a balance between demanding you pay as much money as possible and it being free to play and you being charged for something that you maybe <clears throat> highly desire. Um, yeah. Some games don't walk that balance very good. Um, no, 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 no. And we, we can get into that. But I'll just say at the outset, I've been playing this game almost every day for the past, uh, almost five years. It's taken a little bit of a backseat to Godzilla battle line, which is like a new mm-hmm. mobile Godzilla Gasha game, which is going to take priority. But in the, uh, five years that I've been playing regularly, I've been, competitive in this game and i have put two dollars into this game in five years wow Wow. but um 
All right. Well, let's uh, let's let's set the table here a little bit before we get into it. So, as you said, this game was released on February second, two thousand seventeen. This was part of a uh, Nintendo's uh, mobile game initiative with um, the company. Is it Dana? D. It's like almost it's like it's like stylized Dana, but I feel like it's supposed to be like DNA. Oh, it's but, DNA. Uh, it's definitely okay. DNA. You know, and this is like, you know, when like Super Mario Run and stuff like that came out. So as you said, is a free-to-play tactical role-playing game with gosh mechanics released for iOS and Android and developed by Intelligent Systems, who have been working on Nintendo stuff for a long, long, long time. Yeah, Intelligent Systems has been the around since the 80s. Yeah, they worked on Duck Hunt. They worked on not Super Mario Brothers, the original Mario Brothers. They worked on the various WarioWare games, Paper Mario, for example. Uh, Fire Emblem Heroes is two main directors, uh, Koei uh, Maeda, who is a regular in the Fire Emblem series and also works in the Smash Brothers series, as well as uh, Shingu Matsushita, who is also a planner at Nintendo. Uh, he has a little bit less uh, uh, acclaim to his, uh, his resume. He worked on Fossil Fighters and some of the Xenogears games. Fossil Fighters? I don't remember that one. Yeah, me either. But hey, that's what his credits are. So that's so he gets a shout out here. So yeah, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure Intelligent Systems is a second party studio for Nintendo. Um, so what that means is that they aren't owned by Nintendo, but they work right. pretty much exclusively on Nintendo stuff. Uh. Uh, I think they, Nintendo like, literally have an office, like, in some of, like, Nintendo's buildings, yeah. I think. <laughs> so. Second-party studios will do that. It's, like, they're their own independent entity, but all of their money comes from Nintendo. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in ter- this being a uh, free-to-play game, that means uh, money is involved. And as of 2020, this game has uh, grossed $656 million, and that was in 2020. So it's probably gone up to probably... Uh, I would say closer to over 700 as of as of 2021. Oh, definitely. A, so, you know, right behind, well, not right behind, but uh, way more money than Super Mario 1. It actually has a much, it for years, had a much smaller install base than Super Mario Run, but uh, Super Mario Run made, like, only, like, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 million dollars, something like that. Yeah, it was very, it was not a success. I think the Mario Kart one was even more successful. Um, then get, getting into the game itself before we kind of dive into our experiences, the overall plot well, of the game. One thing, one thing I will say is that yeah. um, according to Wikipedia in the list of highest grossing mobile games, this game has made now close to $1 billion, $929 million. Uh, It is ranked number 41 on the all-time um, list of revenue for um, mobile games. The number one game? Do you know what the number one game is? Can you even guess? Um, it would probably be... Oh, I used to know the answer to this. I think it's like a, like a, a Chinese-based game, I think. Yeah, it's a, a Honor of Kings slash Arena of Valor. So yeah. one of them is... It's uh, one of them is the American version, and one of them is the Chinese version. But then what's, they have, the, what's that? Because they think like Pokemon Go is like seven point six billion or something. Yeah, like that. five number five. Um, PUBG is up there. Uh, seven point seven point one billion. It's made. Uh, I'm surprised. Candy Crush is only number seven. Monster Strike is two. Puzzle and Dragons, which I've heard about, is three. Clash of Clans, which I actually played a shitload of at one point, is number four. And then Pokemon Go and PUBG. Yeah, there, there's money in the mobile hills. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of fucking money, there, especially <laughs> in the um, in the Asian markets. It's very, very big over there. But yeah, Mar- it's like so. Animal Crossing Pocket Camp, two hundred and fifty-five million. Mario Kart, two hundred and forty-three million. So Mario Kart did pretty well. Didn't do mm. as good as Fire Emblem Heroes, though. So you played a bit of the game. Why don't you give us a little bit of an idea of what the overall plot is, and then I'll, but I'll fill I'll fill in the gaps. So there is okay. Well, ba- let's back up a second. What's your history with Fire Emblem games? Uh, this was literally my introduction to Fire Emblem games. What drew you to this specifically? I'm cu- I'm just curious. It's like seems like it's left field a little bit. So it was uh, uh, literally like I kind of said like tongue in cheek in the beginning. Like like you know my commute into work into the city like was pretty much an hour in hour and change back. Uh, which is funny because like we only live about twenty minutes from from mm-hmm. Boston, but you know that's the way it goes. And so uh, I was like just like cranking through like RPGs like, on my phone and stuff like that. And ultimately, it was like I was like I need something that's a little bit more like pick up and play that I can do like in quicker bursts, you know. Uh, and it's just uh, it just I don't know it kind of scratched like that RPG itch, but also like a little bit of, like a strategy itch. The game was like and as we'll kind of get into the game was a lot more basic when it first launched. But it was, like, perfect for, like, you know, the quick train ride and stuff like that. And so, uh, that I mean, that was pretty much it. Then I just kind of, but then as the game evolved, I just kind of got, like, addicted to uh, doing it every day. Have you played any fire other Fire Emblem games since this? Then, this yeah, I played some of the GBA ones. And then um, I've tried playing some of the... Um, I have translation patches for, like, a lot of the Famicom ones. And um, I've tried to play those, and I don't enjoy those as much. There's a, they actually, another reason for you to get the Switch, we've been talking about that recently. Oh, actually, you can't even buy it anymore. <laughs> they had a time-limited, uh, they had a localized, officially downloadable version of Fire Emblem and the uh, Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon, which is the first ever one Yeah. Um, for the NES. Um they had that localized for the first time in 8-bit um, on the eShop like a year or two ago. Uh, but it was only available for like six months, and then they turned off the downloads. I have it on my Switch. I bought it because mm. I was like, someday I'm going to want to play this. But I did it uh, after I did that, I played the DS remake. <laughs> so Yeah. It's it's uh, actually like I have like the Binding Blade and stuff like that, like one of the, which is like, I got like a... Uh, Supposedly one of the best uh, ones. No, it's it's actually it's Binding Blade. No, wait, wait, take it back. No, Binding Blade is supposed to be one of the worst ones. The Blazing Blade is supposed to be one of the best ones. Oh. But they are like they are. It's so. But I started off with one of the worst ones. I, the the GBA ones I've heard are good. They are the ones that kind of like started off the series in the U.S. because they made like this is a really weird series. They had NES ones and Super Nintendo ones that were huge in Japan. They never brought them over here, um, and then they didn't do that until I think uh, the Sacred Stones. Oh no, the Binding Blade. Uh, I think was the first one that was released in the United States, if I'm correct. No, it was not. Never mind. Um, it was just well, I forget what it was in Japan, but they just had a, just Fire Emblem, I think. In yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. It's the Blazing Blade. Um, it was 2003. It was the first one brought over here, because I remember. Um, when Smash Bros. Brawl came out, or not Brawl, Smash Bros. Melee, and I, like, love Smash Brothers, um, there was a guy in there named Marth, and I was like, what the the fuck is this guy? 
Um, and that was my first introduction to Fire Emblem. And I think a lot of people in the U.S. Yeah, first introduction yeah, to it's, Fire Emblem. It's, it's funny, like, that's how, that's how it kind of penetrated the U.S. market. And now it's like, then you have this, and then you have Fire Emblem Three Houses, which... was well, Actually, the DS games were all fairly huge, but it seems like Three Houses was, like, a major, major hit, it feels like, over the... Over the DS games. Yeah, even, but. I think the DS games were, were big, um, but I think that Three Houses like exploded in popularity. Even yeah. like Awakening on 3DS was like a pretty big one. Um, but uh, yeah, I played Shadow Dragon. I went out of my way to buy that game, and then I found it afterwards. It was no, It's known as one of the worst ones. Um, <laughs> I played the DS version that I have, because um, I thought, I was like, oh, this is the first game, and it was a remake, and I just bought a DS. I'll go and buy it. Um, but it was not great. It's just yeah. these, these games are brutal and known for permadeath. So if you like in these battles can take like 45 minutes so or to an hour and you're like sitting there and sometimes you don't want a guy to die and he dies two thirds through way through the mission. And you're like, fuck, I have to do this. Whole yeah, I'm a, I'm one of those types. And I did this with Valkyria Chronicles as well, where it's like I can't really deal well with like permadeath. And so it's like anytime I lost somebody, it was like so either it's like I'm saving like every single turn if that's an option, or it's like if someone dies, they go no 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 I gotta I gotta start this over. So like these games like take me like three to four times as long as they should because like I just can't I can't deal with losing a single person. I think I lost one person in Valkyria Chronicles, and I was like, eh, I'm okay. Yeah, I think I think, I think <laughs> okay. it was like in the first one. I think I think I lost someone that was like, I'm gonna let you go. You know, it's. <laughs> So I played Shadow Dragon and I play and I beat Shadow Dragon. Uh, really funny in that game. I got like super tired of it by the end. So the last mission, I just like went balls to the wall and legitimately I was so mad. I got to the final boss and I had one person left and they had one HP left and <laughs> I hit them and I critical hit the boss and I killed the boss, even though I shouldn't have killed the boss. Because it was telling me that I was going to do otherwise. Um, and I was just like, oh. <laughs> I still remember that. I just was like, yeah, fuck it. I'm just going to kill everybody just so I can get to the end of this fucking game. Yeah. Yep. Those games are something. <laughs> but what about this game? You were about uh, to lighten us to uh, your, your deep knowledge of the plot of this game. Oh, oh, the other thing. Oh, so I played Three Houses as well. And I played 40 hours of that game. And I'm like two or three missions outside of beating that game and I can't just can't bring myself to do it because each of the missions takes like two to three hours to get through yeah, you have yeah, to go through uh, a, a full month of a calendar every yeah, time yeah Fire Emblem's gonna chill with uh, the <laughs> length of, of battles and maps like it's it's fine to have like one giant one that's like takes like an hour but like when every single one starts taking an hour that's uh, that's hard that's a, that that's a lot of work I do. I really like the series, though. Um, I I like their take on tactics, even though it's probably one like of the tactics games. It's probably one of my least favorites because, um, like XCOM, I really like, um, and even I, I can't think of any other tactics games off the top of my head. <laughs> I play. I do play a bit of them, um, but this is I, I like it. It's just not my favorite of the tactics genre. But yeah, this the the plot of this game. So, <clears throat> how I understand it is, <laughs> there is a world called Emblia. It's a kingdom. One kingdom. of the kingdoms is Embla. Embla, and they have portals to other worlds. Um, 
And what they're finding is when they go through the portals, uh, people have started to become brainwashed. Embla, uh, the, the, the bad people, by the, the way. They're Embla, the bad guys. Oh, Embla's the bad people. Who are the good uh, people? As- Asker, Asker's your, the kingdom that you land in. Ah. And so Embla is trying to take over all of the various different worlds. The world of light, the awakening worlds, the whatever, however they want to call it, based upon whatever game they're, they're trying to invade. Uh, the sh- the world of shadow um, was one of them. Shadow dragon, um, yeah, and that's what this game is about, right? Yeah, good. That that was good. Yeah, so you are you are the legendary summoner. You have a weapon that can allow you to summon heroes from essentially the Fire Emblem multiverse. Which uh, really, as the game went on, they like really had a lot of fun exploring like the multiverse aspect of the whole thing. Like, there's so many different like side. Uh, things you can do outside the main story that just, like, are meant to, like, be interactions between, like, the characters you've summoned or just whatever other characters that have been summoned. And it's, like, you'll have, like, people who are parents of, like, characters in other games, like, meeting each other, like, out of time or, like, characters who've died. Like, they're, like, learning that they die through, like, other characters in that game because they're... Well, they're all coming from the same game. They're all getting pulled from different universes. So, like, if a character has been uh, killed in canon in one game, you may have summoned, like, its multiverse counterpart that has not been killed, and it's learning from the other people from that game that, like, they die in that game. And uh, they don't call it a game, obviously. It's just the story. But it's like, you know, they kind of, like, this whole, like, side, they call them paralogs or um, forging bonds is, like, a mode that's in it where... Like, a lot of these, like, concepts are kind of explored, where it's more about, like, the Fire Emblem characters from various games meeting each other and kind of learning about, like, their fates and what happens and, you know, trying to go, huh, well, hope that doesn't happen to me. Or it's really funny when, like, you have, like, descendants of characters, like, meet each other and they're like, wait, you're my uh, grandfather or grandmother. (laughs) Well, how awkward. But, uh... There are some original characters in this game. Alphonse. Oh, sorry, I will, go ahead. I will say the um, the modes are most of them, like Paralogs, Arena, uh, Forging Bonds, all that are is in Three Houses. Like there's in there are modes like that are correspondingly named in Three oh, really? Houses. Oh yeah, well, Arena Arena is a staple. So we'll kind of skip ahead past like more of like the story, but a lot of the original characters have their names kind of pulled from. Uh, Norse mythology. You haven't gotten to this point yet, but uh, this character Loki is essentially kind of like the antagonist of like the entire game. And uh, there's a number, as you unlock more of the story, there's a number of characters that have um, uh, heavy Norse mythology uh, ties. I mean, in fact, one entire chapter is kind of revolving around essentially the story of Ragnarok. But yeah, uh, yeah. I I did like the um, how I think there were some original worlds that they made for this game. So there was like Pretty a much Jap- most of it is. Yeah, the Japanese world I liked. The with the like, Japanese world. Oh, yeah, oh, you're talking about like the paralogs, I think. No, no. In the actual story, there are some that I don't think are. There are some worlds that are not actual games. They're like just they made it specifically for Fire Emblem heroes. At least I think. Um, oh yeah. Like, well, there's a number of of worlds and characters like that are made just for Fire Emblem heroes. Yeah. So um, I did like the the world that was like Japan. Essentially. <laughs> there were like samurai fire emblem uh, people in it, and I was like, "Oh, cool." <laughs> so uh, I guess to kind of wrap up the background, and get a, we'll get into our experience of the gameplay. 
as the game went on, it introduced a mechanic that I don't know how much you got into it, if you did it all, called skill inheritance. And I think this is actually the heart of the game. So as you unlock people through summoning them, like they all kind of come equipped with skills. And I think it was after about a year into the game, they made it so that you could sacrifice those characters, but you could take their skills and you could attach them to other characters you had. Thus making it like you could make every character you had super customizable and very tailored to like, like you could like you and I could have the same characters, but you can attach, I think, four different skills ultimately, or five different skills. And so your characters can play drastically different from person to person. And I think that is really what kind of changed the game. It made it like a really deep strategy game beyond just being like kind of like a quick, easy, like mobile, you know, RTS almost. It's it's now like become this like you know, people are now, like, building deep kits for, like, their their characters, like, and you're going, like, this is what I came up, the combination that I came up, and there's, like, thousands of combinations you can come up with, and sounds like, that, I think, really changed it. Sounds like um, a little bit like uh, the Pokemon games, like, the newest ones, they have numbers attached to them that used to be hidden, but, and, and you could tell by the stats, but Nintendo surfaced it on, like, later versions of Pokemon. I forget what the fucking stat is called, but people, like, hunt down uh, Pokemon with, like, the highest stats. And you can't just... It's not like every Pokemon you get of the same type has the same quality. You have to get, like, a high-quality one, um, which is funny. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's it sounds like it's similar in how addictive mm. it can be to... And how competitive it can be for the characters. Sure. And uh, I guess, like, the last thing I'll say about that is, like, as you... Another good thing about this game, it, this game is regarded as being one of the most generous freemium games out there. Yeah. Because, uh, in, in part, like, even if you don't pull a five-star character, like, and they are three stars or four stars, like, it gives you, like, plenty of ample... Um, they're called hero feathers. I wouldn't even... They're almost... I wouldn't even call them a premium currency. You can... If you have enough, you can just, and you pulled a three-star or a four-star unit, you can just level them up to make them a five-star. It's fairly easy. They don't really put paywalls between you and getting the top characters. That's not really, that's not really, like, what you said at the beginning. Your other games don't walk that line well. Like I said, I've put $2 into this game in five years and remained competitive. And it's because of those generous mechanics. I think they've made a lot of money on this game. without needing to do that (laughs) yeah because it's it gets addictive it gets like people it's it's just the nature of these sort of games right people get addicted to like they want to max out their characters like you know so like they dump a bunch of money into it but you know do you know how many characters you have now uh i do i so there are 754 unique playable units i have 334 but a lot of the ones that are missing are like seasonal units mm. that kind of come and go like in a week but they always kind of bring them back but uh yep 754 unique ones i got about half jesus christ um we have a fire so what, emblem heroes expert on the podcast there you are <laughs> so what, what so i encourage you to do the story aether raids and arena yes i did arena and story a lot of story and i did some arena arena okay. was hard sometimes yeah, Arena's funny because, like, you're playing against other players, but they're AI-controlled teams. Oh, weird. That's yeah. weird. So, so there, there's actually only one mode, and they just added it in the past three months, where you actually, in real time, play against other players. Yeah, I imagine, I imagine that experience wouldn't be great. 
Um, yeah. So Arena and Aether Raids, you're all playing against other other real players' teams, but they're AI controlled. So explain to me Aether Raids. What are what are those do? Because like, okay, so there's for people there's like story mode. There's a ton of story you can play through, like an in, individual story in this game. Um, there are Arena, which we just said we just mentioned that you can play against AI controlled versions of other people's teams. Um, and what else? What else we got? We got Aether Raids. Tell me about Aether Raids. So Aether Raids, so to back, take a step back, Arena is pretty much more straight up, like, your team versus another team. Right. There's not much in the way of, like, field dynamics. I mean, there's different terrains that will give you defensive boosts, but Aether Raids is more like you have a set amount of turns to defeat your opponent's team. And your opponent, like, you do this, like, going into the season, the Aether Raid season, like, you set up your own defensive map. So you go, this is where I want my my default team to start, and I'm going to place booby traps, barriers, obstacles, things like that, that, like, the other team has to work through, and the AI is a lot stronger in Aether Raids. Like, in Arena, they'll just start moving towards you. Like, they'll still be strategic, but they'll start moving towards you. In Aether Raids, like, those teams are going to play defense, and they're not going to move until they absolutely have to. So it's very much like like uh like a strategic chess match in a way where it's like you have to navigate your team into a good position where then you can start to take apart your opponent's team but they're not going to move until they get into an range where they can attack you Hmm. so if you stay out of like their attack range like they're not going to go after you so you ultimately have to put yourself in peril basically so basically get attacked so like a normal fire emblem game (laughs) yeah basically you know um you know what I, I fucking hate about the Fire Emblem series? I don't understand. Everybody wants to know what the danger zone is. Why do you make me click a button to show the danger zone? <laughs> every <laughs> every game is like that. Every game makes you click that button. And I'm like, I don't want to click the button. It should just be there. You should know where they can go. I assume some people just want to be badass and just not know. <laughs> I mean, when I was playing through some of the story, because it got so easy, it was like incredibly easy after a little bit. At the very beginning, it was super easy. Um, but playing through the story, um, I'm just like, I, I just click and don't use the danger zone. But the danger yeah. zone should be on all the time. Yeah. That's, that's, I'm in the danger zone gang. The, the, <laughs> the story mode does have uh, difficulty settings, by the way. Oh, it does? Yeah. You'll oh. see it in the upper right hand corner. So you can do, you default to normal, but then you can do normal, harder, lunatic. Oh, I should do harder, I guess. It gets, it ramps up like really aggressively so yeah i i actually so i was playing tonight and i played like an hour before the pod, I pod I actually played like two hours before the podcast and um yeah i was i i got to a point where i was actually taking damage for the first time in a long time and i was like oh dear this yeah. person did three damage to me <laughs> yeah yeah you should uh, you should play more arena and eat the race because that gets hard really quick right so uh and as you go up in tiers in arena it starts to become much more difficult because you start going against like really advanced players with like really like jacked up uh, jacked up teams. But um, did you do any other game modes? Uh, yeah, I did. I mean, I did like some some of the the one with the hole. I forget what that's called. The one with the <laughs> hole. Like, the hole on the background. Yeah, I don't know what that was called. It's like a that special mode. Uh, okay. Was... Seer, seeker? I don't know. Something like that. Oh, Roker Sieges. Uh, I don't know. Let me see here. I did story maps, Coliseum, uh, maybe it was special maps. 
I don't know. So probably so so the special maps kind of rotate like almost every week. Uh, there are some that are actually like, really fun to play. Um, oh, if you no. go back, I was talking about the training tower. It was a level in the training. training oh, tower. oh, oh! But if you go back under special maps, there's actually some like really fun maps that are like almost like a puzzle where like they'll have like. Um, maps that like you got to try to figure out how to beat them in a really specific way like if you lose one character you fail the challenge which and, one is uh, this again it's under special maps and they're usually called bound hero battles or like it'll be like a special map battle against a specific uh character yeah i was and, wondering um, if there would be like a puzzly i feel like this this format would be really good in a puzzle situation that's there's a ton there's like they change often under uh special maps and those are really fun because like you don't need to be like a whale, as they say. There's your second uh, mobile, mobile dragon uh, use of this pod. But like, if you can be clever, you can figure out a way to do it, and it might be time consuming, but it's very rewarding and satisfying when you, when you clear those maps. Yeah, uh, the one thing I'll say about this is I think like it, the game really functions well. Like when you're using your finger, uh, although I have fat fingers, so sometimes I was like, oh, I'm fat, uh, but. Are you playing on an iPhone 4? I'm playing on my... Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's very small. So it's playing on. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it functions really well. I will say the UI is fucking overwhelming as somebody who just came into the game. There is a lot <laughs> going on. And so like that's one of the things that put me off and like why I couldn't really super get into the game because I was like, where do I go? There's so many things to do. What do I do now? And then it was like too easy. So I was like, ah, this is it's not tickling that sweet spot. It's like too confusing to get into. And then it wasn't giving me enough challenge for me to be like, oh, I want to play this more because it's challenging and making my brain work. And so it was just like I felt like I, I felt like I was feeding a slot machine. And it kind of looks like a slot machine. Let's be real. Pacetics yeah, are kind of yeah. slot machine-y. Yeah, and that's, you know, that is probably, like, by design, right? Like, it's so easy to start, but then, like, you quickly, like... And again, I don't think you ever hit, like, a paywall in this game, right. but, like, you definitely... Like, that easiness, like, goes away after a certain point. Once you've, like, teared up, like, enough in those, like, arena and ether raid type modes, like... Then like it's like you're it's like you're thinking about everything you're doing at that point, and I think that's like where I think that's where, like where I got hooked in the game because yeah at first I was like oh whatever this got kind of easy and whatever and it's rewarding because like you feel like you're accomplishing something and you're summoning more units but yeah it gets it gets very challenging as you get better but as you put yeah, in more hours I mean, yeah. more hours and more hours I feel like so I, I I would have played this game more if we had an actual commute anymore and pandemic didn't exist but uh the pandemic's still happening yeah um so i guess one thing i wanted to highlight and i wonder if you thought the same thing i thought this actually had some of the smoothest like animations oh my god yeah i was i was thinking about it i wrote down i was like frame rate in this game is amazing (laughs) yeah it's like that like blew me like like i actually have combat animations like turned off because i've been playing for so long right but like especially when i get like newer characters though i turn them back on because i just want to watch it yeah and it's like especially when you have like a good like exchange like a back and forth with like another 
character. I was like, I was like, oh my god, it's like this is incredible looking. Okay. Yeah, they they did a really good job with the movement. It's just I think the and I think obviously the characters designs are good because they're from Fire Emblem. Um, the ones that aren't from the actual games though are sometimes they can be like, oh, I can tell you are not in a video game, sir. You were just in Fire Emblem. <laughs> but the 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 overall aesthetic of it being like a slot machine kind of put me off as well. Um, but yeah, the fucking framework is fucking fantastic. Um, yeah. I will say some of the uh, some of the characters. Um, well, there's a lot of titties. There's a lot yeah, of titties. Yeah, so, uh, there's uh, what I would call, or what they would say, would be fan service in mm-hmm. this game. You know, there's also uh, there's also I had a character by the name of Ash who turned into a, a cow, and she was my, one of my mains. <laughs> oh, she's the uh, is is that the main character for the the current story? Yes, I think she's one of the mains of the current story that you haven't unlocked yet. Uh, okay, but uh, yeah. You know, there are beast units that are, I think they lifted from the Fire Emblem games. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, the new one turns into a cow. In the Fire Emblem games, they turn into, like, dragons, typically. Yeah, yeah. Well, I we forget get some, what those uh, people are called. There's a specific name for the people. But. Yeah, I forget they are, too. They just, they're classified as beast units in this game, but I kind of forget. Oh, they're dragons and beast units, but... Yeah, and uh, that was a big part <clears throat> of uh, Three Houses. Big people turning into beasts. <laughs> Well, I guess before we wrap up, no game is without controversy, and this game certainly had has had its fair share over the years. Um, has it? Oh no, I did not know. They've, uh, they, uh, well, you know, as as a game as a game trucks along, they get to introduce some new mechanics to keep you coming back. They introduce the legendary and mythic heroes, uh, which are essentially heroes that grant you um, bonus points to your score in. Um, arena and aether raid so it kind of became like can you every time they launch a new legendary hero can you pull one and get it on your team and get it leveled up in time for the next season of arena so there's that but the biggest and then there was issues with the meta every mobile game has its meta in the early days it was the reinhardt it was just too overpowered oh really i just i just pulled him for the first time yeah well if you have a it's it's there's a couple different versions of reinhardt the original one he's an infantry unit uh, on a horse with a with a, I think he's a blue tome, and uh, just the way his base kit was, it was just so overpowered at the time because he was so fast, could cover so much range. He could double strike, and his special his special attack that triggered could just like wipe out most of your power. So if you had a powered up Reinhardt, it was like you were just like blowing people away. But then it became Fallen uh, Edelgard from Three Houses. That is that became the newer meta where it was just. Broken unit, way too overpowered. I have one, and as much as like I hate like using it, it's too overpowered to not use her. And it's like every new character that's come out since basically is a counter to Edelgard to try to offset, uh, try to rectify what they've done. <laughs> but uh, the biggest backlash and controversial was the introduction of the Fire Emblem Heroes Pass, which uh, essentially became a subscription service that was launched, I think it was the beginning of 2020. And... Um, there were some minor quality of life improvements that were locked behind the Fae Pass, and as well as, like, you know, it's a game that already gives you plenty of uh, free current premium currency for free, but it was like, you got a shit ton more with the Fae <laughs> Pass. And then they uh, kind of lost... How much was it? It's about $10 a month, I think. Hmm. And, um, and they also have kind of locked a couple of um, boosted characters behind the Fae Pass, like nothing like game-breaking, but uh, it was um, that was a that was a big to do in the Fire Emblem Heroes world when 
when the Fae Pass was introduced, because a lot of people were just like, this is the this is the death knell. But here we are. Here we are, two years later, still talking about it. So, Chris, do you want to ask the question? So, Mike, where does this go on our endless list? Um... I think I think just starting off, I think it's a better game than Kim Kardashian's Hollywood. Oh God, I had a whole I had a whole section of my notes going like if Mike tries to say this is <laughs> this is below Kim Kardashian. I do you know how much like I like I'm going to just say this now like I've been sitting in front of my computer for the last hour and a half prior to our last hour before us starting this podcast. And I was watching gameplay videos of Kim Kardashian's Hollywood. And even watched a review of Kim Kardashian's Hollywood from PewDiePie. Because I wanted to know what that game was like, what it looked like, and how shitty it was. So I had to, so if I had to be ready to explain what did why you, What did playing. you think about it? Oh, that looked awful. It looked like... It looked like... It looked like it looked like a game where it's like... You're just... It looked like it was a step away from being like an idol... Like an idol game. Where it's like... It's like it just seemed like you were just kind of completing mundane tasks for like. It seemed like you completely sacrificed any element of strategy and planning, to make you run out of premium currency and have to buy more. Yeah, I wonder if it's <clears throat> higher than Fire Emblem Heroes on the highest grossing games. I bet. It I was. don't think it is because I I think I looked I think I looked this up and I don't think it was. Oh, it's not on the it's not on the uh, list. That can't be right. Can't find it. Well. So, yes, I agree. It is better than Kim Kardashian's Hollywood. But <laughs> I will I will surprisingly say this. As, if, as we do more mobile gacha games like this, like, there's a part of me that's like, how high can a game like this truly go? Because at some point, this game is just going to end. And, like, you know... Like, as they said at the end of Blade Runner, and all those moments will be lost. Like, tears in the rain. <laughs> and with a game like that, like, how high can it truly go when it's not really timeless? And it's, it's a game that's essentially living as long as it makes money, right? Like, and, you know, that to me actually goes, like, well, games that are, like, kind of have that sort of life cycle, I feel like just by nature shouldn't really go super high <laughs> even though yeah. like, i have dumped even though i have dumped countless hours into this game over the last five years yeah i think it's a, it's a pretty good game i think it's you know the problem is it's the entire base of it is to, to make you pull characters and i don't like that doesn't make uh me get excited about a video game um i usually get excited about video games when couple things when I beat it, when there's a challenge and I can overcome that challenge. And I think this game provides that, but I also play games to see an ending or to, um, get better and feel better about my skill level rising. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Miss, I would have missing a much, the story, but I don't, I don't know about the game, the gameplay. I would have a, I would have a much like, so I think the game itself functions really well especially when it does become very difficult and much challenging and you know i love the customizable aspect to it when it comes to your characters that's probably my favorite part of the game it's like i wish there was almost like there's no completeness to this it is an endless mobile game and it's like and i wish like 
if like when a game like this ends, I wish they could be like, okay, we're going to have an end game, and then there's going to be some sort of downloadable version that like you could play offline for like the rest of your. You could preserve it and play it for like the rest of your life if you wanted to. Even if it was something like Arena, where it's like just thousands of stock teams are just there, and you're playing against other AI teams, in my head I would go, okay, that's more of a complete game. And I feel like, just by nature, mobile games of this nature just don't have that. And as such, I don't. It's it's hard for me to put it higher above any other game outside I feel like of the I, game, like I Kim Kardashian's like, Hollywood. Well, I could put it. I could put it much higher than that. I was just my 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 fibbing, but. Um... I feel like with these types of games, and it can also happen in like some multiplayer games as well. I feel like you're on a treadmill, and you're just like chasing that cheese, always. And whenever yeah. I feel like that, I feel like I'm being taken advantage of, <laughs> and like my time <laughs> is being wasted. To be honest with you, um, and sometimes you can get enjoyment out of it. I get enjoyment from playing multiplayer games because I play with bros, um, and bros are cool to hang around with and fun to fuck around with. So, but this game, it's like, it feels very, like, vapid. All These types of gotcha mobile games, it's like, uh, it, like, feeds into that consumerism uh, that Americans and capitalists love. It's like, yeah, you, just I mean, gotta, this... you just gotta get the next character, guy. You just gotta collect them all. Even though, like, I love, like I said, even though I love playing this game, and I have played an ungodly amount of hours in it, like... You like I, I would feel the same way if you were talking about like Fortnite. You know, it's like one day Fortnite will just well, I don't think Fortnite's all I mean, it's fine. It's whatever. But it's like but one day like Fortnite will just end. And like and then it's just gone. You know, and it's like and then we if someone's trying to do a podcast like this, like thirty years from now, well I don't know, who knows, maybe Fortnite will still be going thirty years from now. Yeah. But like it could, but like all it's gonna be is just like a memory of like some game you played forever ago, you can't really recapture it and the whole point of playing it was just to kind of stay, like you said, be on the treadmill, stay current, stay, like, in your ranking. And uh, that is, I think, like, any, most other games in this list where it's, like, there is, like, an actual, like, beginning and an end point, you know, it's, these lack that. And I think that's an issue when it comes to ranking, despite how much fun I have playing this game. Mm-hmm. Where do you think it goes? I would actually probably... I'm going to say above Kim Kardashian's Hollywood, but I'm just looking really quick to go. Despite all the criteria I've laid out and how, why I feel the way I do, is there anything here that I would definitely go, oh, God, I really hate Splinter Cell and the Magic the Gathering game, though. But I feel like I'm a... Uh... Um, so where I was looking at is, like, right above Gojira-kun, to be honest with you. No, oh, well. I think this Which game's way? good. And I think this game is, like... I think it's like I know you. Have, we have problems with the gotcha stuff, but for a mobile game, it's it, it gives you a lot. You can do a lot um, <clears throat> in this game. There's story. There's playing against AI. There's various different modes. There's like puzzly modes. So I don't know. That's where I was looking at. What number is Gajirakun? One thirteen. Yeah. Well, this is a this has gone the opposite way than I than I expected. Um, it's 
it's hard because stop. Uh, no, you said it. <laughs> No, I didn't, I didn't say it. I didn't, I didn't say. I didn't say anything about comparing games. I was gonna say it's hard because, like, you know, I really mean like as much as I again, as much as I love playing this game, I really mean what I say. Where it's like, it's an endless game that one day will just end on in an unsatisfying fashion for everybody. It'll just go away. And so, when I look at games like arcade classics like Gunsmoke or Alex Kidd and Miracle World and Portopia, it's very hard for me to to go. Yeah, at the end of the day, what, like this is better than those. How about number one twenty three? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm good with that because that's that that gets it ahead of like some of the trash games like Splinter Cell and Magic the Gathering that I just could not fucking stand. I strategically <laughs> picked out games that you and I played. <laughs> <laughs> one row above it <laughs> yeah it's uh that's that's fine above or below scourge hive which was like another yeah. game that i picked was uh fine with me i think this game's better than scourge hive let's do it number 123 yeah. there you go i can't believe you you argued up <laughs> I, I think there's a lot and i i like enjoyed what i played of this game it's just like i don't think these games are for me and i think just in terms of my time right now in my life it's hard for me unless I'm taking a shit to play a mobile game. I don't want to look at my phone. Because um, <laughs> normally, if we had a commute, I would play this game a lot. I would probably play this game way more. Um, yeah, 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 definitely. I don't, we're in the middle of a pandemic where no one's going to work. Um, yeah, and essentially both of our jobs have, uh, have, have kind of gone almost, well, yours I think is 100% remote. Mine is like 90% remote. And will probably be remaining that way, it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, so that sucks. But also, congratulations to Fire Emblem Heroes. Actually, uh, Chris, you're supposed to say that. Oh, congrats! Congratulations to Fire Emblem Heroes. You are our new uh, one twenty-three, as we said. <laughs> um, you know, even though I argued for you to be a little bit lower, have in my personal life, you are like a top twelve game <gasps> in my life. So there you go, Chris. Is this wait? Oh, okay, good. I was like, is this the first Intelligent Systems games on our list? Because they have some classics, but no. Metroid and Super Metroid. Oh, that's right. They worked in Metroid. Yeah. Is that... Is that... Because I remember when I was looking at the list going, I was, like, I was like blown away by, like, just how many games they've worked on. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, they, I don't think they, they, they made... They weren't, like, the creatives behind Metroid, but they were... Right, like, right. People who assisted with it, for sure. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I just couldn't believe it, how much they had been involved with Number 123, our 147th game on the Endless List next week. Wait, wait, Mike, next week, what are we doing? Holy shit, we're finally (laughs) doing it. Will this game be a better sports game than NBA Jam? Could it be? That's quite the the tease. Could it be? Uh, Well, we are playing, or even one that ranks up there, I would say, with both NBA Jam and Tecmo Super Bowl. We are playing the all-time classic in another sport, uh, NHL 94, and mm-hmm. we're going to be adding it to the endless list of video games. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's a doozy right there. That's going to be uh, some titans of sports games duking it out next week on this list. But we will be back next week. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thank you.